Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Psy Effect. It's your girl, I am Psy, and today I have the Psy Spotlight shining on Mr. Preston Green III. Preston is a music industry vet who was the director of urban sales and marketing at WEA Warner, Warner Music Group. Warner Music Group is the home of B.O.B., BGs, Gucci Mane, Lupi Fiasco, Faith Hill, Wiz Khalifa, Shaka Khan, and a whole host of others. Please, by all means, give a warm welcome, a warm side effect welcome to Preston Green III. Preston, how are you? Hey, I am doing good. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, Sai? I'm fabulous, honey. I'm fabulous. I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, please, by all means, give us a background and its relation to you and the music business. Uh, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> I got into um music business in a totally unexpected way. I was actually... Uh, I started working in music retail at a store uh, down there in South Florida, Specs Music and Coconut Grove, when that store was open back in uh, the mid-'90s. Uh, broke college student, needed some money. And uh nice. started working in that store and um, uh-huh. uh, moved up pretty quickly, became manager in about six months. Uh, we actually had to liquidate mm-hmm. that store. And um, uh, my manager at the time... Uh, needed people to stay and I volunteered and she gave me a raise and I stayed until we locked the doors and that's when I talked to this wow. uh, uh, executive uh, and he used to be a CEO at Burger King and he was in charge of the liquidation mm-hmm. and, and uh, right. you know he was so impressed with uh, my work there and learning the business uh, you know he told uh, the owner of Specs um, you know about me and they knew about me and my boss was impressed so they rewarded me with the store, and uh, I became the manager of uh, Space Music, uh, the one uh, in the Falls location down in South Miami. Right. And then went from then went from there, and I managed uh, Space One Sixty Third, which was uh, a much bigger store. You know, I did well at both stores, and right. that's when I started. That's when I started meeting uh, industry people. A lot of mm-hmm. at store uh, Space One Sixty Third Street Mall, people remember in the nineteen nineties that was the spot. That was the place to be. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I had to, you know, they, they put me in there. I hired and trained a new staff and, uh, and uh, you know, started meeting a lot of um, industry people, a lot of artists. Uh, Fat Joe mm-hmm. was a regular in that store. DMX was a regular in that store. Wow. And again, in- and, again, this mm-hmm. is when record stores were popular. You know, you can barely find yeah. a record store on a corner anymore. This is back then when artists used to actually go inside the record record stores to meet fans without this big, huge publicity um, and 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 followers and stuff like that. So this was a huge thing for the '90s and '80s, right? Huge thing. It's just let me just tell you, Specs One Sixty Third at the time was the place where you were. A, as an R&B or rap artist, you came to that store, no matter what your business was in South Florida, 
you stopped in that store, and uh, it was before I got there, but there was a Tupac in store there. So that's how big that store was that I had the opportunity to manage. So I got to meet a lot of industry people and made a lot of good relationships, and that's the bottom line in this business is relationships. And one guy in particular, uh, one of my mentors still in the business, um, he transferred to Dallas office, and uh, he asked me, hey, Preston, I'm recommending you for my job. You want it? Oh, hell yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, uh, sure, you know, what do you do exactly besides put up posters and give me free CDs? And he went to a little detail, and uh, next thing you know, um, you know, Stax had become um, not independent anymore. It was owned by a corporation at that time, and um, right. the independent culture kind of went away, and, and mm-hmm. with that, a lot of us managers went away, including you know, myself. So I decided this was a perfect opportunity to leave, so I did and that was my so, start in the business. So basically, your start in the music business was honestly being in the right place at the right time, to just break it down really quick, right? Well, pretty much the right place at the right time and, and, and great relationships. Absolutely. That would be a constant thing, you know, great, great relationships. Right. And and people and, and a lot of people that are interest, interested in getting in the music business, you know, they really have to understand that building relationships is a huge factor on having an established and successful career in the music industry. You know, people think just because you're on Twitter every day and you're talking, you're, you're making connections with the person, and, you know, they answered back or via sex or Facebook, you know, that's a form of building relationships, but you have to take it to another level, and that means letting these people know who you are and your music face-to-face, meaning being where they are, you know, and a lot of people fall short on that in um, the new millennium, I personally think, because every a lot of people are simply lazy. They don't want to put in the grind work. They don't want to put in the hard work. What do you think about that? Um, <clears throat> I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, social networking is great and everything, but... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot more work than that. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, another one of my mentors in the business taught me, um, 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 music buy for uh, black folks is an emotional buy. We don't buy because it's hot. We buy because we have an emotional or some kind of connection absolutely. to that person or that artist. So uh, you're absolutely right about relationships. You can have the social networking, and that's great. No, you've got to have it nowadays. Mm-hmm. But uh, you have to also have the ability to to go out there and, and uh, uh, shake hands and kiss babies and, and be yes. genuine about that because uh, people people will remember that. So and and that is a hard part. That is hard work because it is. Uh, you're you're constantly on the spotlight. You have to be mm-hmm. somewhat careful, you know, about what you say and how you say it and what you do and how you carry yourself because you don't know who's watching. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, no, you're absolutely right. Now, tell me this, how, you know, I personally think that music back in the 60s and 70s, it had a different feel as far as how labels and um, the marketing department put the artists out. You know, back then in the 60s and 70s, let's say Motown era with Barry Gordy, they actually put a lot of time into an artist. 
when we say time, we're talking about not only in the studio, we're talking about grooming as far as teaching these artists how to speak during interviews, how to carry themselves on television shows, how to stand, I mean, from the hair to the makeup, everything. What do you think about how a lot of artists are coming out now to where when they finally get this record deal, um, how is the marketing standpoint intertwines with all that? Do you guys, with you being in marketing, do you guys automatically take what you saw in this artist and you just grab it and go? Or do you try to put that um, Gary Gordy spin Motown feel to it to present them properly in the right package? How does the record company do that in a sense? Um, a lot of companies... I would say uh, I can really speak on, you know, my experience with ours and, and from friends at other companies. But, um, you know, I think they do uh, pretty well as far as uh, uh, their marketing of the artists, uh, the best that they can do. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I think them do pretty pretty good. The, the, the difference is, and this is where, uh, okay, those of you who are listening, close your ears because we're about to get uh, kind of real on the side back here. Okay. Um, this is these opinions being expressed are solely mine. <laughs> yeah, we have to put that disclaimer, you know. But like I said, you know, the side effect is <laughs> we give it to you raw and uncut. We like to keep it completely. I hate to say this cliche, but 100. I hate that saying, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep it 100 for all the artists who are trying to break into this industry, music industry, whether you are writer singer, dancer, you're still an artist and you're part of the industry. So keep it 100, Preston. That's what we want. Well, I'm going to go here. Um, I'm going to begin by saying there are a ton, and I know I have a couple right off the top of my head. I'm not going to say their names, but they know who they are at the companies that I used to work with, and they know that I admire the hell out of them because they do their thing day to day. Right. But as a whole, as a whole, and I'm speaking on a, on a big picture level here, mm-hmm. um, there are no more Barry Gordys because Barry Gordy was in charge. And when it comes to black music, if you're not in, if you're not, um, I, I used this example the other day. Uh, um, I drive a Volkswagen. Uh, you may drive a Chevrolet. Now, can you drive a Volkswagen? Probably not. It's a stick. If you can't drive a stick, you can't drive a car. So how can you sell it? How can you market it if mm. you don't even know how it works? That's so true. I, there's a there's a lot of great executives that I've met and been around and seen and everything, and they do their thing, and they handle everything that they got to do day to day. But right. if you cannot reach out and touch the audience with the product that you're trying to put in front of them, how can you even shake that artist to do that? Um, <clears throat> one of the reasons that I've been successful and, and will continue to be in, in my own endeavors is because I've been blessed to have worked all over the country. It's not a major city that I haven't been in. There's not right. a major hood that I haven't been in. I know the red and blue neighborhoods in L.A. I know my hmm. way around Miami. I can go places where most executives won't go. I can right. go places where most rappers won't even go, but that's where their customers are. Absolutely. And that's where their customers are. So if their customers are there, I can go there and I can have those conversations and I can find out what they want and what they need, then I can fix that artist's story that not many people today 
can do that. You know, industry cutbacks, you're losing a lot of people that are out in the yeah. field, and, and, yeah. and they just can't cover it. So they can only speak from a broad point of view. So when people start talking about marketing and things like that, you have to think about, hey, who are they marketing to? Well, you can only market to what you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so if I am, if I am, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a guy that's not from those type of areas where a rapper is from, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, we know Gucci Bane is from Zone Six. If you are not from Zone Six or you haven't been from Zone Six, I'm not saying you can't do it, but mm-hmm. you don't have the advantage of someone who can. Right. Eric Gordy had the advantages because he was from where all of those artists came from. So it's a totally different thing. So okay, uh, okay. I, I think that artists today need to pay attention to the the, the personnel at the record label that they're going to and say, hey, can these people understand my music? Can they understand my message? And can they reach my audience? That's what right. they need to do. Okay, artists, you heard that. Not only when you're seeking a record deal, you need to go deep inside the record company. See who they are putting out. Can they actually work with me and promote me the way that you deserve to be promoted? Am I right? You need to ask a lot of questions nowadays, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you you just don't buy a car because it has four wheels and steering wheel. You want to know it has power steering, if it has racket pinion. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you need to know all of that, and you and and you have to conduct yourself as a business. You're not mm-hmm. a rapper anymore. You're a, you're a business. So if you're gonna uh, merge basically your business as the rapper or singer uh, mm-hmm. with another business, which is a record company, and they're only in business to make money, uh, <clears throat> then you need to know everything about that business before you do. Uh, so and they, you look at a. Uh, go ahead. Basically, what you're saying is the music business is 10% music and 90% business, right? Oh, 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 yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's two music business. It's business. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, 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 it's all business. The music is easy. Music is art. I think there, I don't, you know, people talk about. I mean, a friend of mine talked about talent the other day, and I was like, you know, let's talk about talent for a second. You know, who's real and who's not. Man, I get so tired of hearing that. Because all I can think, yeah, really, because I only think about the DECA auditions, which was 1962. DECA Records told the Beatles, no. Wow. You know, you know the Beatles became the greatest group ever. And I know they're kicking themselves in the butt right now because of that. Yeah. So who's to say who knows talent and who doesn't know talent? If you understand art and you know how to connect that artist, that asset to the consumer, then you can sell records. So the question right. is, can you find a company? Can you find if you if you're this rapper that you only talk about such a certain things? There's mm-hmm. somebody out there that wants to hear you. Can the company that you're trying to go to or is courting you? Can they deliver that? Right. I think the only question you need to ask. Yeah. So yeah, it's all business. The music is easy. Now, can you expand on the process for someone that's seeking a record deal? Like, for instance, you know, there are a lot of people on Twitter and they put out their links regarding their music, which I think is kind of a a waste of time sometimes because a lot of people are on their phones. They necessarily not be able to click on that link. So I think you should put a link up of your your um, website that the person can visit instead of your link, you know. But long story short, what I'm trying to ask is, 
Can you expand more in depth on after an artist have a record label that is interested in them, what do they need to, what questions do they need to to ask and what do they need to look forward to once they ink that deal? Um, once an artist, well, the first thing is that if an artist is, is, has been approached by a label, that means that there is more than likely a relationship somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't really, you don't really see it that much today anymore where an artist gets signed unless there's a relationship that's somewhere uh, in the works. I mean, I know of a couple of examples that, you know, they just found this person out of the blue. Uh, I can't remember the little girl. Uh, Esme Denter is her name. Uh, her YouTube video when she did uh, John Legend's uh, Ordinary People was, wow. was blew up. What's and her name again? She had a lot of uh, Esme, E-S-M-E-E, uh, Denter, D-E-N-T-E-R. Okay. She okay. had a YouTube video, got a few million views, uh, and then people reached out to her. Uh, but, you know, but still, the video wasn't established until a relationship started. So to to to, to uh, forward and answer your question, once uh, a label gets in touch with you, I believe, and I've never signed anybody, I had someone get signed, but it was through the relationship. Right. So the questions I think today, like I'm thinking back at the group that I helped get signed. Actually, they were in Miami. It was a great group, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, um, I think today, in 2011, going into 2012 and in the future, you have to ask way more questions like uh, how much and how much do I owe you? Uh, wow. What is my profit and, what is my profit and loss statement? You better... I just better learn that real quick because mm-hmm. um, I learned what that was a few months ago, and I tell you, I was so surprised at the amount of artists that still owe record labels money that I thought they were making money off of record sales, and they weren't. Uh, you need to understand the business and understand right. whatever the label spends on you, you have to make back, and right. you have to ask those questions. You have to say, okay, what are you guys going to do for me? How much is it going to cost me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And when do I start making money out of the deal and look for some kind of model and structure on how that's done? Um, you know, you you have to ask the business questions. It's not about your music anymore once you sign. Right. You heard it, people. Again, I hope some of you, as you're listening to this um, interview, that you are taking notes because Preston Green is laying down some real knowledge right now, real knowledge. Well, I, and, and a lot of these and, kids don't and, understand. Well, and this is just one person's opinion, you know. Right. Um, there's a lot of people out there who would tell you a lot different that are much smarter and much wiser than I am. But, mm-hmm. you know, just based on what I – my job was to sell music, and I did that pretty well. And in the last in, – up in the beginning of this year, you know, my department, as small as it was, accounted for 41% of our sales okay. total. So, you know, I know I made quite a few millions of dollars there. Right. Uh, for the company. So I know how to sell a record. So knowing how to sell a record, you got to know how to connect that asset to the consumer. So, But that's Absolutely. just one person's point of view. Uh, I would definitely tell artists to talk to other people. But, you know, ask those questions. You know, you got to you gotta know what, what they're spending money on you for because you're in it to make money. Right. Now, what, can, what advice can you provide an artist coming into the industry from a marketing standpoint since that's your forte? Um... 
you know, I'm going to... I know that's pretty I bad. Like, no, it's not. It's not. I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, you know. If I'm yeah. a, Jay-Z had a line in a song that I loved, and he said, uh, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. And I love mm-hmm. that line because that's how you have to treat yourself. If a you business. are a business, you are like like when you go to the grocery store to buy toilet paper, you're walking into a business. You're not going to walk out of that store unless you lay down $4 or whatever it costs to get the toilet paper. Well, and you can you walk out the store, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you can do that. You know, it's going to be some people chasing you probably. <laughs> you know, just a little chase and some cuffs involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's well, all good. You yeah, have the toilet you know, paper. Charges and stuff like that. We <laughs> don't want all of that. But, but your buddy. Same thing with- <laughs> Same thing with them though. But no, you 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 know, they're they're set up. They're designed to make money. So if you're trying to sign to a label, then you have to understand that if you're uh MC rapper, then you're you're two people. Your name might be John Clark during the day. And your an M C rapper is the company that you work for. <laughs> Which is your brand. So Yeah. So you have to create your brand. As, Exactly. So from a marketing standpoint, you have to, if you're signed to a label or you're trying to get signed to a label, you have to understand what are they going to spend on you <clears throat> and what do you have to do to, to make that back. Marketing has this term called uh, a return on investment. You're not going to spend any money on marketing unless we can know we can get it back. You don't spend marketing dollars unless you know you can get it back. So a label may spend a few hundred thousand dollars on marketing. I've right. done plans where we spent a few hundred thousand dollars on sales and marketing plans, and we had to make sure that you know stores ordered enough records that they believed that they could sell in order for us to make that money back. Right. And then you know I just got to figure out what their piece of the pie is in that. So I would say, from a um, <clears throat> from a marketing standpoint, forget the ideas of oh, I want billboards and on oh, Twitter, Facebook, and all that. Figure out how much that stuff is going to cost you that they're going to do for you, whatever they do, and then figure out what you have to do to get that money back. For, yeah. Forget the fact that you're going to be – they're going to redo your MySpace page, but how much is that going to cost you? Of course, and these are these are questions that you need to ask because at the end of the day, it's, even though they're paying for it, it's coming out of your pocket. You read your P&L statement, profit and loss statement, learn and know what that is. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll be fine as an artist. Now, in my opinion, this is strictly, again, my opinion. We have many artists that are polluting our radio airwaves with garbage. I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of trash that need to be taken out on the radio right now. Now, as an executive that, you know, you are, you've been in the industry for a long time, what is your true opinion regarding the artists of today, and do you think they are watered down? What is your opinion? My true opinion, let me go start with radio first. Radio, and a guy in radio told me that uh, um, down in Miami, actually, actually, when I first started, he told me, and this is from a radio guy, that radio does not care about your records because we don't make money off playing them. We make money off the advertising that we can generate from the listener. So if Beyonce's song gets played every 15 minutes, it's because mm-hmm. it is the best opportunity for that station to hear, to get the most listeners to hear that song because they like that song, you know. 
And the more people they can get listening, the more they can charge for advertising. That's how radio works. They don't care about your record. So that being said, is it watered down? No. I honestly don't think that there are a lot of watered down artists. I think there's a ton of talented artists out there. I, I think there's too many talented artists out there. Right. The, the formula now, as far as what you're hearing on the radio, and this is just my opinion, mm-hmm. but they have to give what the mainstream is going to here in order to generate dollars. Okay. Go back to dollars. It's not about your talent. I mean, you know, I, hey, I have my own artist who I think is fabulous, and she can sing anything. You can just name something. She can sing it. She should be on the radio, but because she can't generate dollars for that station mm-hmm. or that record company, then she's yeah. not going to be on the radio. That's how a lot of the say, good artists go down the toilet and, or never get heard because of that business part of the music industry. Maybe, maybe not now, because look at, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with Public Enemy, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, what was the last song you heard by them on the radio? You haven't? Um, neither. <laughs> <laughs> right, but they've been around for 25 years, but they built a brand. Right. They built a brand. A brand that people you are familiar know, with, right. You know who P.E. is. P.E. is either gym, class, or public enemy. There's the only two things you think of if you, you know, say P.E., you know, gym mm-hmm. class or the group, public enemy and Chuck D. and Slave the Slave. That's what you think of. <clears throat> they never had the big radio hits. I, you know, they, they never had that. So, okay. so um, you know, is it watered down? What you hear could be what some would consider watered down because it all sounds as but it just fits the business formula. Yeah. It's what generates and, dollars. Right. So basically, they have programmed us into wanting to hear garbage. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious because honestly, there are a lot of songs that I really didn't like in the beginning, but because radio played every 10, 15 minutes, I have been brainwashed into liking that song, and now I'm singing. I didn't like it in the first, and I consider myself a person that has an awesome ear for a song. I pretty much know if I'm going to really like a song within the first 30 seconds of hearing it. But there's a lot of artists out there, and, and you know, radio, where it's satellite radio or FM, AM, wherever it is, they play it, and it's like, damn. I couldn't stand this song, but it's ringing in my head. So they have brainwashed me into liking this song to the point where, you know, there's a possibility that I'm going to go out and download it on iTunes or go out and actually purchase it because now I like it, which I didn't like it in the beginning. But, (laughs) hey, that's the formula of good marketing, I guess. Yeah, good marketing. And there's also, you know, again, you know, I think the songs on the radio reflect the taste and the opinions of the heads of the record companies that solicit these stations to play up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it, it, you know, like I said, I Public Enemy is one of the greatest rap groups ever, but how come they never got radio play? You know, maybe they're... Maybe their lyrics are too controversial, whatever they wanted to call it, uh, whatever you want to call it. I don't, you know, I don't know what it was called back in the day I was a kid, which didn't love the enemy to taste. So, but I, I wanted to hear it because I saw the videos and uh, didn't hear it on the radio, so you either saw it on video or you watched tapes. Right. And, um, I let my know, tape pop. Today, 
I let my tape rock to the tape pop. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of tapes that I popped up because I played it over and over again. I didn't get to the second side yet. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, it's just a reflection of what um, the companies and the radio stations are owned by company, corporations, you know. Right. For, you know, they, they're owned by corporations. So they're, you know, they, they have to do what's best to generate income. Now, question. While working at... Um, Warner Music Group. Were there any artists that you worked with directly that you felt had the total package? I mean, everything from um, the talent to the look to the stage presence to the the actual um, personality. Nothing had to be done, and you just put them out there. Were there anybody that actually fit that package? Oh, my God. Um, the first person that comes to mind, and, I mean, after uh, – after 10 years, over 10 years, uh, I met a bunch and hung out with a bunch, but I think the one that stood out the most, I spent two days with Eric Benet in Chicago. Wow. And 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 it was just me and him. Uh, we, you know, we had retail business, we had an event to do, and um, I, I'm i driving, he's sitting in the passenger seat, we're kicking wow. it like this. Wow, y'all rolling yeah, yeah, we were rolling, you know. We were talking about traveling and everything and doing our, you know, thing to promote his uh, last album, Love and Life. Wow, tell uh, me this um, quick, real quick. Did, did Eric have his, like, you know, because Eric don't like to wear shoes when he performs. So did he, like, when you was, when you were driving and he was in the passenger seat, did he, like, have his foot <laughs> hanging out the window, you know, in the air out with his, in his head, you know, his dress blowing in the wind and stuff? He must have really Nah. No, no, no. He had shoes on. He had a special water. I don't know what that water was he was drinking, but it looked kind of good. I don't even know what it was called. It was just some kind of water. But um, he did. Nah, he had shoes on that day, though. <laughs> no socks, I don't think, but shoes. No socks, <laughs> But um, cool dude, though. Super cool okay. dude. And, and and to me, he's the first artist I can really say that I've met personally that stands out that had the package. I mean, he's a super, super genuinely nice person. One of the nicest people you ever okay. want to meet. And he's the only artist I've ever heard that, and... And I, you can listen to him sing live, and it sounds better than a CD. I've never heard that with an artist before. That is, that's unheard of now. <laughs> and he doesn't need a band. He loves to do it with his band, but he's that gift. He has a pure gift. He does not need a band. He doesn't wow. need a mic. He doesn't need anything. That man can stand here in this park and sing, and you will stop, and you will swear. I mean, it sounds better than CD. Amazing. To me, he has the package. And then there's a bunch of other ones, too, that I was really excited about. You know, I enjoy working with, um, you know, I wish I had the opportunity to work with uh, more with uh, Waka Flocka. You know, I was very, very excited about him when uh, mm-hmm. they, when we signed him to one of our labels. And uh, Waka, don't you Waka, mean, Waka. Uh, yeah, OJ the Juice Man, I knew he was going to be special, and you know, that was like my pet project, and we sold a bunch more money than people believed we could sell. sell. But, uh, wow. you know, we did it. So, um, yeah, but Eric Benet stands out the most as far as someone that I actually spent time with and just has it all. They, that man has a gift. He is truly, truly blessed. No, there's just, People shouldn't just sound like that. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, from, I guess, your opinion... And this, again, is 
Preston Green's opinion. This is only one person's opinion. When you're dealing with a record label, should you, as an artist, should you or should you not have or use their people when it's time to sign on the dotted line? Like a lot of artists I've known, they didn't get their own lawyer to look at the paperwork. The, the, the record label provided, you know, a lawyer to look over it since they didn't have anyone. And, you know, what would you tell that person? You know, you're all excited. You know, I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the office of Lyle Cohen right now, and I'm getting ready to sign. He's getting ready to sign me. Again, Lyle Cohen is the uh, VP of um, Warner Group, Music Group. And I'm getting ready to be signed, and... I don't have a lawyer. Lyle says, hey, here's a lawyer right here. He'll help you, you know, translate everything that you don't understand. What do you tell a person like that? What do you think? Uh, um, I think it depends on your relationship. Um, I, I think it depends on your relationship. If you, and, and, you, and you're talking about Leo, who's like the chairman of the Warner Music Group, I think. Yeah, that's the answer you're talking about. And, um, yeah. and, uh, and uh, you know, if if you had like a, 15-year relationship with him or someone that he knows very well, then, yeah, you know, someone like that it will probably do what they can to take care of you. But if you don't have that kind of relationship and you're just like, it's, 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 it's a business thing, you know, we want you because we think you're good and we can blow you up, then, again, uh, let's think back to the business thing that I mentioned, uh, we mentioned a little while ago. If you set up your own business, what do you have to do? You have to go to that city. You have to have a license. Right. Then you may have to file some paperwork with the state to incorporate yourself, mm-hmm. and you may need an attorney to do that. So you have to build yourself as a business team first. So if you if you go through those go through that process and, and build your business first, then you're not going in there by yourself. You're going to have an right. attorney. You, you could have a CPA, an accountant. Mm-hmm. You could have a manager and or a business manager. All of you to sit there and do that. You're the artist. All you do is write music and, you know, all you should be focused on is writing music and, and doing the, your craft. But right. you have to have to be smart enough that you have to have a team of people around you that are working for you. And and I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a good idea to sit down without your team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I you know, agree. Every, but a lot of people get caught up like that. Every time I used to walk down the street because our labels were right down the street from the building, and there's a handful of times where whenever I saw T.I. in the building, his management and his people were with him. Absolutely. Why would, you know, and and he's a great business person, and his whole team is great, and, you know, we always had a great relationship with them. But why would you show up someplace, whether you're as established as T.I. or your first time, why would you show up someplace without a team if you're trying to do a business deal with a company? You right. need to treat yourself like a business. So, And see, that's what I'm trying to... I'm really trying to instill in a lot of artists right now, and I really think they need to hear this because they don't understand that they are a a business. It's more than music. You know, you need more than a a business card with your name on it and a phone number to actually – you know, conduct your business. It's deeper than that. You need your lawyer. You need to have your paperwork in order. You need to know how this business works. You need to know the necessary questions that you need to ask before you sign these record deals. 
need to read this book by uh, Don Passman called All You Need to Know About the Music Business. Mm. That book will answer 90% of your question. Can you can you say that name again? Yeah, the author's name is Don uh, Passman, P-A-S-S-M-A-N. Don Passman. And the name Passman. of the book is... Mm-hmm. And the all name of the book is know. All You Need to Know About the Music Business. Simple hey. title. You read you know that a book, lot of you people. will have... Yeah. The I artists agree. need to read it. They're in their teens to read it. So they no one likes to read anymore, though. Yeah, they, I don't like it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> no, they, they need an audio book with music to it so they'll, you know, listen to it. <laughs> Can well, you put it in a rap real quick? It, would, yeah, maybe if he wrapped it, he need to wrap his book. Right. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of these um, artists, future artists, is trying to break into the industry. Again, like I said, they don't want to put in the groundwork, which includes maybe reading a book, you know, like that big book that don't have pictures in it, so you can understand how <laughs> it is. <laughs> and then you're not being, then, you know, I see a lot of artists saying, oh, man, you know, I got screwed. You know, I was signed to this label. I didn't get paid, blah, blah, blah. But all of that, all the stipulations and how everything is formulated and how it's broken down is in that contract, brother. If you read it, you would have known that you're only getting 2% of everything that you, you're making right now. You would have known that um, everything that they're putting in, if it's $100,000, it's recuperate, it's recouped out of your check. Mm-hmm. So that's the bottom line. They're going to subtract that $100,000 for whatever that you, whatever you made. You would have known that had you read. A contract is just an agreement between two parties. So if you sign a contract and you don't agree to everything in there, then why are you signing it? Why are you signing it? You know, uh, you, know you have to understand. And if you don't understand, have someone on your team that does. I mean, Absolutely. you know, I, I would never sign a contract because I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand contract law. There's a lot of things that I don't know. Uh, I recently, right. you know, up until a few years ago, I finally learned what in perpetuity means. So that's a big word. Damn, can you spell clear. that, brother? <laughs> <laughs> perpetuity, no. <laughs> no, but the, the term the term means you know pretty much forever. You know, if you wow, uh, and 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 if you see it, you know, in your contract, it's um, it it it's, it means there is no definite end. So there's a lot of contracts that have that word. And ever ever, and and there's a lot of contracts that have that word in it. And you know, if you don't know what it means. You know, you you. That's why you don't go there. It, yeah. it would have, you know, you you don't go without your attorney. And you sound you know, like you can't go without a damn dictionary too. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of need one of those with the stars and all that stuff, you know. He is a stars, a dictionary, a, a everything. <laughs> yeah, you you just have to have people that you trust on your team. Yeah. You that's really important. have to have people that you trust on your team. Listen, y'all, y'all can't have dumb people rolling with you just just to make an entourage, okay? You you just can't have Pookie and them coming through. You grew up with them. You know, Pookie just got out of prison. You're trying to give Pookie work. Pookie got to know something. He got to bring something to the table. Do we understand, class? Or Pookie can just, hey, you know, I want to do this for you. Let me educate myself because I, I pretty much did the same thing. You know, my relationships that I've met. You know, I've met people throughout the years. The couple of artists uh, that I'm going to be working with, you know, I don't 
know the first thing about management. So I picked up books and I talked mm-hmm. to managers and I developed relationships where I can sit there and learn how to do this, and then I apply my own knowledge that I have through the years to do it. And you know, it can be done now. I know what's needed. I know what's required. But you know, yeah. don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't ask. You have you know, to relationships. Build your relationships. Absolutely, and that's with everything. We're talking from music industry to um, pursuing a career in acting to pursuing a career in comedy because I know when I got in comedy, you know, it's more to it than telling jokes. You know, (laughs) I'm serious. Okay, I'm funny, but damn, okay, I'm still broke. You know, it's more to it than telling jokes. You have to learn what, what Whatever you're getting into, you have to learn the business and you have to learn what navigation system you can take to take you to the next level from telling jokes on the corner to telling jokes on television to having your own show, which is funny as hell. You know, there's a process for everything. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me, Preston, who are you feeling? Who is Preston Green the third listening to? What's in your iPod right now? Oh, man, you know, I have, I listen to everything from gospel. I listen to my 80s, New Ways, uh, Culture Club, and, and uh, Mickey Basil and all of them. But right now, lately, I've been stuck on uh, Nas right now. I've been jamming to uh, Nas's old uh, CDs, the Stillmatic and... Uh, and oh, yeah, that's uh, a classic. And, uh-huh, and uh, Illmatic and... and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm just stuck on some old Nas right now. The double CD, I repeat the name of it, in my iPod though. Um, Sade always, uh, Sade will always be with me. I have every single song she's ever done. Another classic. Um, um, there's a compilation called uh, Hotel Costas. It's by this uh, DJ in uh, France. Uh, I think um, I may be mispronouncing his name, but the name is Stephane Pognac, mm-hmm. something like that. But the series is called Hotel Costas. It's a just a compilation of just some really cool music. I guarantee you, you play this at a party uh, with anybody there. It doesn't matter who the crowd is. You know, your people are going to jam and dance to it. Like, wow. what, what is it? See, I'm going to have to check out really, that. Uh, New Dimensions is a little bit of a speedier version, but uh, mm-hmm. they have a bunch of really cool DJs, uh, Miguel Mix and uh, Mesa Shaw on the vocals. You know, they I, I love those kind of uh, electronica, uh, down-tempo type things, too. So that's really what I've been listening to right now. Nice. That's nice. See, my, for some reason, I don't know why, and, and, and I'm a true fan. You know, I'm in Miami, Florida, and I got to show love to the boss, Ricky Rose. Teflon Don is somehow glued in my CD in my car right now. I can't get it out. It's been glued since the album dropped. <laughs> <laughs> And I've been rolling with Ross ever since. So when I um, when I get the super glue, the the glue to unglue, the what do you call it, the remover to unglue the CD, I'm gonna have to check some of those artists that you said out. You know, it's, there's a lot of awesome artists that are overseas. You know, I just got turned on to a couple of artists overseas, and man, you know, when people think of overseas, the only people they can kind of connect with is floetry. You know, but. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of floetries and beyond. You know, we're talking about in Amsterdam. We're talking about London. We're talking about all these other places. It's amazing. Music is universal. It's not just in the U.S. And people have to understand that, especially from a marketing standpoint. You know, you don't only sell records in the United States. 
Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. Val Ricky Ross, that's, to me, he's the best rapper out there right now. Definitely, I, mean, I, I agree. I, I, I love Waka Flocka, I love Gucci, and uh, all of them, but to me, Rick Ross is the man right now. You know, I'm a fan and, of Waka Flocka as well, but I, I think Waka don't need to do no more interviews. Waka just need to, you know, just nod. They need to do a video interview all with, with, with Waka. He just need to nod. He don't need to talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my, my, my friends over there take care of me. He, 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 he'll surprise you one day. <laughs> okay, I, I'm ready for that surprise. I, I'm, I'm hoping it's coming soon, and I'm hoping he come out of a big cake and surprise, surprise your girl, I am sorry, because, you know, the last couple of interviews, I done seen my boy Walker. You know, I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him. And one thing I can say, I'm glad Walker, he was on Ricky Smiley's show, and he didn't say scrimps. He said shrimp. So he added an S to it. He added an S to plural, but you know, I still love Walker. I, I'm pulling for Walker. Have Walker. <laughs> Preston, Preston. So, what projects are you working on right now? Well, you know, um, you know, I enjoy uh, my uh, closeness with the uh, with the folks, and I just say it over at uh, Asylum. You know, I, I had a lot of joy working with them so I pay close attention to those records and you know I, I you know as soon as I get myself uh, settled as I'm in the process of moving then uh, I will you know offer to help do whatever I can to deal with them because I, I just like what they're doing over there but I have my own artists as well nice. uh, I have I have a great R&B singer uh, Tiffany that I met eight years ago when she was 15 and wow. um, you know and and uh, we we uh, have a great relationship, me and her whole family, and she's just like one of those people, like I would almost describe like Eric Manet. She has a gift, a pure, pure gift. Boy, and, oh, boy. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, exposing her to the world one day. Uh, nice. Have a We're going to have to get, have get them on this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I was just saying I have a female rapper in Brooklyn who's actually from Miami. Uh, mm-hmm. From Miramar, actually, who uh, she's actually writing probably as we speak. What's and, her name? Uh, uh, her name is Alyssa. 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 All right. That name sounds familiar. Story. That name sounds very mm-hmm. familiar. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to get Tiffany and Alyssa on the side effect so we can expose them to the world because I know they bring in some heat. Who else are you working with? And I have one more rapper uh, from uh, Mississippi. Um, you know, from Tennessee, from Memphis, so uh, uh, the J, um, different type of rapper. He uh, doesn't cuss and doesn't drink and he and stuff like that. But he has hardcore raps, but they're on a, a positive tip for um, inspiring uh, young kids and, and boys nice. and stuff like that. That's what that's what he wants to focus on. And, that's and, awesome. And I've been to his shows. I've been working with him and his family for years and. And he's ready to take the next step, so I'm going to see what we can do with him. And uh, I think that that's something that would be uh, welcomed into this industry because not, yes. you know, the music that's out there I think is great, but you don't have too many rappers that uh, right now that are uh, mainstream anyway that has his uh, right. mission and his focus, which that's, is uh, definitely on a positive tip. So that's awesome because you know we Without need that. Preaching. Without preaching yeah. and, and delivering the same message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not he's not preaching. He's having fun. But it's see, that's important. 
I think yeah, so. anything, you know, I, I don't know about anyone else, but I know when I listen to music, I listen, I'm listening to the beat first, and if the beat got my attention, then it draws me into the lyrics. So, with him being a positive, you know, hardcore rapper, if the beat is banging, trust, the lyrics will be heard. Right. Now... Tell me, how can someone, you know, you have your your artist management company, how can someone get in contact with Preston Green III if they're interested in <laughs> having you work for them? <laughs> you heard well, me, have you, know, you work I'll, for them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it should be, you know. Yeah. That's how it should be. You know, when you, have, you work for them, a manager, you know, yeah. artist, you know, if you have a team around you, their job is to work for you, not, Absolutely. You, you not know, the other you, way around. You know, the other way around, they work. You work. You're you, you, the artist, is the business. So they work for you. You know, uh, Walmart don't work for anybody. People work for Walmart. That's the crazy. owners of Walmart work for Walmart because they understand that that's the business. It's its own entity. So, right. um, but me, uh, right now, I am, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm pretty full, but I do listen to a lot of people because okay. I'm a big believer in uh, building relationships. So, so you can um, provide some insight for a person and, and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, guide him the right way. Yeah, right now uh, I live on Twitter. I'm usually pretty much always on Twitter, so you can find me there, my name, Preston Green and the number three. All right. You heard it, people. You can hit him up on www.twitter.com forward slash Preston Green, the number three. All right, Preston, we're going to finish this interview up. I'm going to give you a sentence, and I want you to finish this sentence in relation to the music business, okay? Okay. If I'd known then what I knew now, finish the sentence. Oh, wow. Um. Oh, wow. If I had known then what I knew now, mm-hmm. um, Oh, wow, that's a good one. <laughs> no, I, I like to put people on the spot, you know, create those juices going. <laughs> um, if I had known then what I know now, uh, I don't know if I would change a thing because um, 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 I probably would have worked harder. I probably worked about 20 hours a day. I probably would have upped it to 22 <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> because... Uh, um, I love the business uh, that much, and 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 there's nothing about my path that I I would not change. You know the things, you know I I I knew from my military background. I guess kind of played a role. Uh, I knew to listen to the smart mentors that I had, follow their words, even if I didn't really believe it at first. Like I couldn't right. see it. I don't, you know, I don't have to see everything with my own eyes. But one of my early mentors, actually, he's still down there in Miami. Retired. I still talk to him. Uh, you know, he he just gave me some rules and foundations about this business that remained true for ten years, and I did not see it when he was saying it to me. But I just believed it because that's what he said. So, uh, you know, I you know it, it was done the hard way. You know, I've a lot of nights in a lot of cities, a lot yeah. of sacrifice. Uh, you know. Uh, I probably would have, uh, I, I guess I can't answer that. If I had known then what I know now, I probably would have taken maybe a little more care of my personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I would have done that. <laughs> but I may have <laughs> taken a little bit more care in those things because, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't trade what I did for anything in the world. But, um, you know, I, I made a lot of friends and, and, and 
people, a lot of relationships along the way. Uh, most of it was good, and the ones that didn't work is because uh, I was married to this business. Right. And um, mm-hmm. to me, it was the only way to be successful, and I don't know if I would have changed that. So. And you never know. You know, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. So had you not been married to the business and you conformed to a relationship that you weren't happy in, then you may not be where you are now. That and relationships with the wrong people, too, in the business. You know, uh, there were people that, um, you know, there are people. (laughs) I mean, I hate to say it, but it's just true. Mm -hmm. There are people that just don't have your best interest, even in the business. So you've got to be smart enough to recognize them. Listen to the clues, people. Yeah, watch the clues. People drop clues when they don't have your best interest, but a lot of people choose not to take heed to them. You know, it just doesn't come out of the blue. You know, people, when they finally realize a particular person in the industry didn't have their best interest, it's a little too late, but yet they drop clues a long time ago. So you have to be mindful. You have to go in with your peripheral vision clear. See everything you, around you. I can actually answer that now. If I had known then what I know now, and I don't want to say the group's name because uh, I don't want to like you know put anybody you know uh, yeah. in, in in Miami and uh, on blast because I'm not blasting them at all. But mm-hmm. it was a group that I helped get signed to the label uh, to Electra Records. I give you that much, mm-hmm. and they were good. They were really really good. They had a very very popular hit in Miami at the time. And it started to spread nationwide. If I had known then what I knew now, I would have probably helped them after the deal. I didn't know what I knew now. Right. So all I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to help you get signed. And that but was I it. I didn't know how to follow that up. And that's all right. I did. I didn't know how to follow that up. And I felt bad because I felt like they could have had a future. Uh, yeah. When it, You know, after the record came out, it went away, and that was that. Group imploded, everybody went in their own separate directions, and it could have been something special. So if I had known then what I knew today, uh, you know, I would have taken them, done the same thing. I would have taken them to the label, but I would have made sure that I worked with them more. Right. See, okay. to know how to see things through completion. So now right. I understand that in this business, you have to know how to see things through completion. From the beginning to the end. That's right. Forever. <laughs> In perpetuity. <laughs> In perpetuity. I'm going to write that down, and that's going to be the word, my word of the day. Per- perpetuity, is that how you pronounce it? That's how you say it? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's my word, meaning forever. Forever, P-E-R-P-E-T-U-I-T-Y. Perpetuity. Perpetuity. Hey, I came back with that. no definite end. No definite end to so infinity and beyond. <laughs> well, Preston Green, I want to thank you for joining me on the Psy Effect today. And, again, you are always welcome back to promote anyone that you're working with right now. Just send me a shout-out, and we could go from there, okay? Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate you're very you. very and like I said, I don't know everything about this business, but that's just been my experience, and I'm glad that you gave me the opportunity to share it. I hope it helps somebody. Most but definitely. I should up and say again, hey, ask other people questions. That's, again, Absolutely. I don't know everything. Absolutely. I'm sure that that one person who has aspirations of getting into the music business will appreciate 
will appreciate the knowledge you've just dropped, my brother. All right? All right. All right. You have a good one now. Thank you. All right. Thank you. This is your girl, I am Sai, and you can tune in to me every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or you can log on to www.blogtalkradio.com, The Sai Effect. Thank you for tuning in. This interview was with Preston Green III, music exec, and if you have any questions or you have any questions regarding this interview, you can hit me up on The Sai Effect at gmail.com if you want to get in contact with Preston. Again, this is the Psy Effect. It's your girl, I am Psy, and I'm out.